I'm Jamie Lewis, the host of The Consumed Podcast, and this is a special Between Seasons bonus episode with the folks behind two of the Central Coast's most flavorful restaurants, Ember in Arroyo Grande and The Spoon Trade in Grover Beach. My conversation with Brian and Harmony Collins and Jacob in Brooktown took place in front of an audience at There Does Not Exist Brewing in San Luis Obispo as part of the Consumed Live event series. And it was a blast. These four people have been friends of mine for around 30 years, so we knew we'd have a great time before the tape even started rolling. You'll hear how casual it was, no doubt. Speaking of the tape, the wonderful Matt Cross of Broad Street Public House handled sound at the event while I was responsible for recording it. And because audiovisual isn't exactly my strength, I recorded the event at a wicked low volume. I thought I might have to scrap the whole episode, actually, but Chris Lambert came to the rescue and resuscitated most of the audio. Thank you so much, Chris. That said, the quality still ain't great, so I'm giving this episode away as a freebie rather than charging for the download. Thanks for bearing with the ups and downs of this episode, and I hope you enjoy this candid and often eye-opening conversation with Harmony and Brian Collins from Ember and Brooke and Jacob Town of The Spoon Trade. Oh, hey, and while I'm thinking of it, please mark your calendar for the next Consumed Live event, which I'm hosting in collaboration with the good people from At Her Table. In honor of Women's History Month, At Her Table hosts events to celebrate the work of women in hospitality. So this Consumed Live will feature an all-women panel specifically centered on motherhood and the hospitality industry. We're calling it Apron Strings, and it will be held at There Does Not Exist Brewing March 7th from 6 to 8 p.m. You'll need a ticket, but it's free to attend. To claim your seat and learn more, visit letsgetconsumed.com slash events. And I hope to see all you mothers there. Okay, on to the episode. Okay, we're going to do some consumed live. Thank you for coming. Since we're on recording here, will everybody just maybe do a little whoop, a little, little audience um, applause for a second so I can hear on the recording. I come prepared with my first beer and then my second beer ready to go. Okay. I'm sitting over here because I'm just getting over something, so I'm sorry about that. I feel so weird being apart from my friend. Um, this is a live recording of a podcast called Consumed that I host, and it comes out four times a year. It's 10 episodes per drop. And the next one is hopefully coming out on Thursday. I just heard that the editor is very, very sick, so we're trying for Thursday. Um, but I have some really cool people on there, and you can check it out if you go to the website, letsgetconsumed.com. You can see who's coming out, some really cool people. One of the, the coolest people I talked to was the Integrated Waste Management Authority <laughs> CEO, believe it or not, about recycling and composting and all of that. It was actually really good conversation. So more of that later. But tonight, I have old, old friends, I should say longtime friends, here with me. Um, I'm Jamie Lewis, by the way. I'm a food writer and a drink writer and tourism and all that. And this is Matt Cross, my dear friend, who's helping with the sound and just working tirelessly. Thank you, Matt. So my longtime friends here are Brian and Harmony Collins and Jacob in Brooktown. And they have, if you've ever heard of Ember or the Spoon Trade, those are their restaurants. Let's give them a hand. 
And thank you so much for doing this. I know it's not everybody's favorite thing in the whole world to talk on a microphone. Um, I thought that maybe we'd just start. Well, here, here's what I'll say about these restaurants. So Ember was opened, I want to say 2015, is that right? 14, 2014. Um, in a space in Rio Grande that is, uh, I mean, it, it's not a place that you would necessarily think is somewhere that you'd start a restaurant. Not necessarily. But when I heard that these guys were starting it, I was so excited, and apparently everybody else was too, because the first night, was anybody there the first night that Ember opened? No? Parents. Ryan's parents. Were you there the first night? Did it open? Was the line? You got kicked out real fast. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I what from what I understood, it was just a line that went on forever, and everybody was like, "Well, just wait. You know, the line will go down." And I don't know that the line has ever gone down. And it's been—I don't do math, but it's been since 2014. Um, and then with the spoon trade, you guys opened maybe a year later. 2015, and in Grover Beach was a, which is a totally different animal, um, with some of the most beautiful food. And on the podcast, I ask all my guests at the end of any episode, "What's the meal that you would have before you die if you could?" And so, so many of them have said, "I would eat at the Spoon Trade." Oh, and it just moves me every time to think that it's been a real, it's been a labor of love for these guys. So. Maybe if you could, to start out with, maybe tell me um, what you specialize in. If, if you were meeting somebody at a cocktail party and you said, uh, and they said, what do you do? What would you say if you had, say, two minutes to explain it? Brian, will you start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say we focus on uh, farm-to-table, monthly-changing menu, um, and wood-fired cuisine. So we specialize uh, with a wood-burning oven, uh, wood-fired grill, Everything made from scratch um, and super fresh. Yep. Yep. Great cocktails. Um, that would sum it up. Yeah. And cocktails weren't part of the first. I mean, maybe it was always in the plan, but they weren't yeah. there to begin with. That's right. Yeah, we opened. We had beer and wine. Um, a few years in, we were able to buy a, the full license, um, and which was great because we wanted to kind of have – the cocktail program mimic that of the food, have it seasonal, everything fresh, you know, excellent quality spirits. And, uh, yeah, it's been a tremendous uh, boost to the business. Yeah, I bet. Now yeah. those licenses are going for about $350,000. Yes. Yeah. Just right. to keep it in perspective. Yeah. They got expensive. Yeah, yeah. they did. They sure did. <laughs> All right. Harmony, did he do a good enough job? Do you feel like you need to add anything? No. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, Brooke, Jacob, how would you describe, if you had a couple of minutes, to describe what Spoon Trade does? Uh, I guess in the first few years... And get that in was, there uh, close. In the first few years, it was pretty hard to explain that, you know, we serve American food, and that's hard to describe. I can kind of think the box we're in now is kind of a globally inspired comfort food. Uh, we're an American eatery, so we kind of source from all inspirations, but we do a lot of classic things like ratatouille and ramen and tikka and... So, I don't know, uh, really classic things, but obviously using a lot of locally sourced, uh, thoughtful ingredients. Um, other than that, we have a really exciting drink list and wine and, and beer, and um, um, we're just a, a restaurant that I say is a one that you're never going to see again. 
you know, our restaurant, I've never seen another one like it. And so I just think that we're really unique in the fact that we're a concept that doesn't necessarily exist. You can say we're New American or we're an American restaurant, but I've never had a bologna sandwich next to tri-tip tartare next to a bowl of ramen before. So I, I would agree with that for sure. And you know what? I know I gave you guys questions. I'm actually going to jump down to the one of the last questions um, because I want to know. So tell me maybe, Townsies, will you tell me what Ember does well and then we'll have it flip? Oh, P.S., I'm sorry, just a moment. We all went to high school together. So, um, except for Jacob, where did you graduate from? I didn't think I was invited because I didn't you go to Aurora Grande High School. Um, I, I was off and on at Slow High. I graduated Slow High, yeah. Right, okay, so I guess he's local and then. Same, same county. <laughs> well, anyway, so yes, um, Harmony, Brooke, and I were class of 96, and um, Brian was class of 95, so we've known each other for a long time, and I don't think any of us would say this is where we pictured ourselves, I don't know, however many years later. Did you? No. No, no, I definitely Well, about an hour ago, we were talking about regrets, and I've made no regrets, because here I am sitting talking to all of you who I love, and these people, and this person, very much so. Yeah. And Brian and Harmony create a space that is comfortable, welcoming, inviting, delicious, diverse, new, fresh, and intoxicating. And I am a little biased because I know you and love you, but I think that everybody in our community sees that and recognizes the hard work that goes into what you guys do. And you got the, you have the, I don't even know what I'm saying, but you have it all. You have the whole package. And my opinion on that too is something similar with all of those same things, but I think what they found was a relationship with the Central Coast with a whole new approach that nobody's seen before. So I think that that's what they've done really well. It's related with our community and what their expectations are, and then taking it to the next level. And that's where that line comes from every day, I think. So. Yeah. All right. Back that. Okay. Um, I think uh, what Spoon Trade does well, it's it really is a, just a wonderful neighborhood restaurant that's serving, I think, world-class food, um, chef-driven. Um, if you have any questions about wine, oh my God, she can yes. tell you, answer everything for you. Um, it's just the food there, I think, is like craveable. Like when you're kind of sitting at home, you're like, oh man, this sounds good for dinner tonight. Let's go. And and there's dishes that are on the menu there that really aren't anywhere else that you can get. Um, and some items at Food Trade that you might possibly be able to get somewhere else. They have their own take on it. It's totally original. Um, and that's what I think they're doing really well. They've They've made Grover Beach a food destination, and it really was not that before. Oh, and I yeah. think that they're, you know, they started that. Yeah. Herman, do you have any thoughts on this? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm microphone. Um, yeah, I just think they're super just comfortable to go yeah. in there, super inviting, mm -hmm. great staff. Um, just, yeah, always love it. Yeah, and staff is such a huge part of that. You both have such excellent staff that make it inviting. Um, it isn't just about the food, and it isn't just about the way that it looks inside. The, your staff, both of you, 
it's very it's distinctively comfortable. Obviously, staffing will be and is the hardest one of the hardest things we will ever deal with as restaurateurs. COVID aside, it was hard before COVID. It's hard now, and to find good people that love and are loyal and committed is amazing. And we both have been able to do that because like-minded people find each other. And when you when you have an intention and a goal, you find the people to help you with that goal. And that's what we both have done as restaurateurs. Yeah. All right. So go ahead, but Jake. the only constant in any one of our businesses are us as a couple and them as a couple. Absolutely. Everyone else within that wall will be that point. Ooh. Okay. Hello. There's something wonderful about that. <laughs> There's something really wonderful about that. I don't have to Lopez. Lie. I don't have to like you. Morty Lopez in the house. All right. So speaking of meeting each other, will you each tell me how you as a couple met? What was what was the moment that you guys met and saw each other? Go ahead, tell me. I've known Brian and Harmony since '92. No, no, no. You and Jacob. Oh, I'm sorry, Jacob. Well, oh, this there. guy that I love very much. Um, it was <laughs> the winter of 99. The Crack Crab opened on May 20. Oh, it's the spring of 99. Excuse me. Crack Crab opened on May 26, 1999, and he steamed the first big bucket, and I dumped it. <laughs> and we were not a couple at that time, but that was profound, even to say the least. And the Crack Crab was a kind of restaurant where you you tell people. Well, I worked the crack crab, and they go, ooh, ooh. It's like, is that where they dump the food out on the table? Like, ew. And then you have to explain to them that it's actually amazing quality and amazing. also one of the busiest restaurants in Pittsburgh. And it's yeah. really good, and it's okay. Don't don't get mad. But we were fortunate, 23 years ago, going to be 24 in May, to have met and fallen in love and have stuck it out for this amount of time and yes we have gone through all of this together yeah so really good stuff that is good stuff like in a tourist trap in pismo unseemingly to our very own creation in grover beach and grover beach is one mile south of pismo a lot of people always discount it but we are the eye of the storm and just come on down Go look at the butterflies and, and come see us after for dinner. We love you. <laughs> and the melodrama. Those and two the melodrama. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So when, Brian and Harmony, when did you first see each other? Describe that. <laughs> Go ahead, honey. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I think we kind of lived in Shell Beach a couple blocks away from each other. Talking about us. Us, too? Like how we met. Oh my gosh! I can't remember. <laughs> Brian, um, so Harmony and I met in—I mean, we knew each other in the eighth grade, um, and we uh, became friends. Um, I was friends with her brother, and uh, we became close. And uh, <clears throat> tag along, tag along, yeah, sister. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, we've been together for a long time, and actually, I mean, we've been. Um, almost 30 years as a couple, which is pretty incredible, you know. Um, and so we, I got lucky early on. What can I say? 
I remember exactly where I was sitting when they told me they were having a baby. <laughs> in Dell's Pizzeria on Shelby's yeah, Road. That's right. And they said, Brooke, we're pregnant. We're having a baby. That's crazy. The most OG yeah. story I've ever heard. These are my good friends. I love them. <laughs> Gosh, was it 98? <laughs> it was before Jake. It was. <laughs> before the Yeah. yeah. Wait, is Emma, did she graduate college? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. She'll be 24 next month. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. All right, I'm sticking with the script here. Um, how about, do you remember the first time you each met each other? Can you describe that? Go ahead, Collins. It's your, yeah. Okay. Um, I, well, Brooke, on the diving team in, uh, yeah. in high school, right? Yeah, that's how we met. So, um, and Brian was a competitive swimmer and one of the best. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, her and Harmony became friends. Um, and then uh, Jake, I think, just when you guys were living in uh, Shell Beach and like opening Crack Crab is when we first um, yeah got was, to meet this started, man. Yeah, partying in Shell Beach. And, yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> Anybody remember Beach, Alex's? Yes, of course. Yeah, that was probably the hub of all of it. Yeah. But we all moved up north at one point, and they were living across yeah. the bay, and we were living in the city and hung out a couple times while doing that. That was my next question. Is So you all left for the Bay Area around the same time, I think, right? And mm-hmm. Sean Barons, who's out in the food truck at Bear City Social, which we should give him a little bit. We love everybody. you, Sean. Cheers to Sean. But I, so apparently you guys were all at Culinary Academy together. Is that right? We all went separate years, I believe. I, Brian was a yeah. year ahead of me, and then I went. I don't know what Sean's timeline was. Okay. But okay. Yeah. Um, tell me about how you decided to move up there. Ricky, I know that there was, um, it was art school for you. Did you just call me Brookie? That's who you are to me. <laughs> that is so cute. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys had already gone. You weren't really influencing our decision, but I was in a band at the time, a punk rock band. Yeah. And a couple of those guys had gone up, and Jake was looking at a school option. I was looking at a school option, and I got into the San Francisco Art Institute, which was an amazing thing for me as an artist. Coming from Cuesta, I was, I was making a lot of art. I was stretching my own canvas and mixing my own paint and doing everything. And to go to the city and get into art school was a very amazing accomplishment for me. He got into culinary school and we said, let's go, let's do this. And we were literally like two buses, an hour and a half to get to school every day from where we were. It was not easy. I cannot imagine doing that now. I don't know if I have it in me. Like, where did you guys live? We lived on the top of 10th Avenue at Ortega. In the sunset. So, inner sunset. But we literally were, you know, going through Chinatown on the 30 to get to the North Beach. and It was gnarly, but it was amazing. And these two lived in... Oh, El Cer- I was going to yeah. say. Oh, El Cerrito. Yeah, yeah. And Brian was working for Alice Waters at Chez Panisse, and we went and we hung out with Emma, and she was a baby girl and learning art and learning things. And it was, it was eye-opening to me, even as yeah. an adult, like still a young adult. But we got to go to Chez Panisse and experience that, and that was magical. It yeah. really, I remember to this moment, like Sharmula and Beet Salad and Brian coming out and showing us the fishmonging area and showing us the tomatoes that were growing and 
you know, that was profound. And then I continued to live in that life and was able to consolidate that into my psyche basically forever because that's what we do. I love that. All right. So Did that answer your question? hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Yeah, so yeah. what did you decide? Uh, well, we were, um, I, I was interested in, um, you know, going to culinary school and did some research on it. And we went and toured the campus and, um, you know, wanted to go for it, really. Um, and nothing against the restaurants here, of course, but I knew that, you know, I just kind of wanted to get more experience quickly and learn under some other chefs. Because I think when you get that hands-on experience and that direct knowledge passed down from one person to another, you know, you can't replace that. So um, <clears throat> we did that. Our daughter was young. Emma was a baby. I think she was a, a year old. Um, so we moved from a beautiful little beachside home to living under, like, the Bart tracks kind of. <laughs> but home is home, and we made it that. And I think that it was really a special time. Um, you know, the just, I, you know, I, I speak for you guys, I'm sure, just the joy and enthusiasm of doing what you're, what you loved, what you hope to do, going to a bigger city. It's a little scary, It's but it's just exhilarating. You're learning every single day, um, and uh, it, it was really awesome. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, getting in, getting a good internship, getting in with a great restaurant, that was exciting, and... Um, Having friends right across the bay was cool too. It's, yeah. it's just a small world, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, the moment that you go from being a person who works in a restaurant or a cook, let's say, to a chef, and I, I mean no disrespect to cooks, I mean, that's, it's critical. Um, but I wonder if Jacob and, um, by Jake, by the way, should I call you Jake? I've always called Either Jake. Either one is fine. I don't okay, care. that's what my Jake is. I'm mature now. Jacob is better. You're so mature. <laughs> uh, so Jacob and Brian, what was the moment that you were finally comfortable being like, oh, I'm a chef. Tell me about that. And maybe Jacob first. Uh, it was about two years ago. <laughs> um, and I mean that seriously where, you know, like, uh, I guess for me, I've always been like the best right-hand man. Always like, I, I don't need to write the menu. I don't need to have be the creative part, but I can get work done, you know? And I was always really good at that. Executive sous chef, sous chef, whatever it was. Um, only until owning in my own restaurant did I ever feel like I was a chef. I always considered myself a craftsman. I was just following the craft. And now that this full menu, everything on it is 100% mine, do I feel like an artist in any way? Um, and I just, uh, you know, I spent my just whole career learning. So it took me up until three or four years of owning a restaurant, really realizing like, wow, it's been 25 years. Like, I'll be 44 in January and it'll be 30 years in kitchens for me. And only in the past five years have I felt confident saying like, I'm an artist. And it's only because now I own that whole menu. I don't own a part of it. It's not someone else's restaurant. Um, and so now saying like, now I would say, okay, you can call me chef. Yeah. But people have been doing Which it for years. Which they have years. been doing for a long time. Which they have been doing for a long time. I know. I'm and, in my mind. I'm like, why on and earth most did of it us, take that And most of us don't ever ask to be called that. Yeah. It just starts happening at some point. Mm -hmm. And I think when that starts happening, too, is when you kind of feel a lot more uh, real about like actually being a chef. That's a great but long story short, too, is like you are a dishwasher. 
and then you're a line cook, and then you have a way better respect for being a dishwasher now that you're a line cook. And you're a line cook now. You're a sous chef. You're like, wow, I really miss being a line cook. And then you're a su- and then you're the then you're the chef, and you're like, oh wow, I really miss being a sous chef. And it's like now I'm a restaurant owner, and I really miss being the executive chef only. Because now I'm that and everything else. So, yeah, so just a whole other world as you evolve in, in your career, for sure. You said when we were talking before we were rolling, I hope it's okay to share it. You were like, you called yourself a public servant. And I and I really get that, actually. I just said you're a public servant without the pension. <laughs> um, but the fact that, you know, you own this restaurant. And yeah, maybe you really miss being a line cook. But who benefits? You know, we do. The people who dine there are the ones who benefit. So, um you don't miss it too much. I hope you stay at the restaurant. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, and at the end of the day, I would never turn around and do something else. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, I've, you know, we moved to the Central Coast and we've never worked for anybody else since we moved back here. And I mean, I would have a really hard time doing that. I mean, and look around. I mean, when was the last restaurant you saw that after a year of being open has the same chef working for them? Yeah. Good, great point. Yeah. Sm- uh, under 1%. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, and that being said, I would um, probably be in the same boat, you know, like having a hard time expressing myself in someone else's restaurant. Yeah, right. All right, Brian, when did you start feeling comfortable with people calling you chef, Brian? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I still don't, I guess. I think um, chef's like a funny title. For me, it's like there are moments when, yes, you are officially a chef when you take a job somewhere and it's on your jacket. Um I never really got into the profession for that. I just simply wanted to like learn um, a bunch of skills culinarily. Um, just so, I guess with the restaurant, that's and like Jake said, you know, people just calling you chef, at, you know, unsolicited. Like you call me chef. I've never done that ever. You know, like it's I just weird. I don't picture um, you doing. Yeah, that. it's um. When our, when our wives say it, though, it's derogatory. <laughs> That's hysterical. I was going to ask chef. you, does he say? Yes, chef. He gets chef. really mad when I call him chef. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. do you mean that? <laughs> but it's, um, it's, I mean, I think ultimately it's like a respect thing. Um, and what Jacob said is true. I think that, you know, what I miss is, you know, just being a line cook or just being this and that and, um, as you kind of climb the ranks, it's um, there's different sets of challenges, and you kind of always, you know, you miss hanging with the guys and gals a little bit, when, you know. But it's it's cool. I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so ladies, I, did you ever have aspirations of being a chef? Harmony. I, it's a one no. word answer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I have never wanted to be a chef. <laughs> Confidently can say that. Yeah. Right. Uh, but she's a good cook. Okay, wait, wait, hold on, Brooke. Hold that thought. Yes, Brian, when we met to, when I interviewed you by yourself for the podcast, you said that Harmony at home, that's right, she made you an egg sandwich. I remember everything <laughs> food related. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, so Harmony, you're, so you're a good cook at home. Oh, no. I mean, I like soups and casseroles. Yeah. <laughs> Easy, comfort. Yeah. Healthy but those are the things people. Think I called of. Harmony out at a girl event a few months ago, and she's like, "I know how to do that. I know how to make a charcuterie board." <laughs> and you know, we do. We do know how to do things. And, of course, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happens is we start something. Maybe it's a one a one pan dish, like yeah. a stir fry or something. 
All of a sudden, the chefs are in the kitchen, and they're like, um, let me just do this real quick. And then all of a sudden, your whole sink's full of fucking pans. Oh, did I say a cuss word on our kids here? Sorry. And then all of a sudden, every pan in the kitchen is being used, and you're like, wait, I just wanted it to be a one-pan thing. But they have their technique, and I respect them. So, I, you know what? I'm grateful for it. Totally. Did you, Brookie, did you ever want to be a chef? No. She tries often. <laughs> no. My mom always cooked. I cooked with her. I love cooking with all my heart. I, I've always cooked off the cuff and with creativity. Mm-hmm. But I'm an, I am an actual artist. <laughs> I, I can paint things and draw things. Oh. No, no, no. No offense. No offense. Yes. So there's not room for that in my life. It's just about sustenance more. And and healthy and keep it tight, you know. But if we do eat at home, she's usually the one that's cooking. Yeah. And one of my and favorite things to dishes. eat is just anything that she will make at home. And it's usually something a little different. She's got a couple of tricks up her sleeve, but some of the most comforting meals for she me. She doesn't want to cook at is home. just no, I only get I only cook if I get paid for it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right well, for your girls, I'll cook anytime. Those kids are cute. Um, gosh, so many things we could say. Try not to be exclusionary because we could just talk and talk. <laughs> All right, tell me about the day that you decided to move back to the five cities, um, and maybe towns as well. You go first. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy time. Somehow in our life, we had come into some money. And it was like, okay, what do we do? Let's buy a house. We're in San Francisco. Let's buy a house. We have money. Let's buy a house. So we, we hunt and hunt, and we find finally a house. It wasn't enough to buy a house. It was enough it, it was for plenty. a down payment, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Understand that's what that means. <laughs> so we bid, we bid on a two-bedroom, two-bathroom house, single-family home in Glen Park in San Francisco. We bid 30% over market. And we were outbid by 29 other people. So then that decision pushes us to another decision because it's not going to work, right? And we happened to own a 66 microbus. And we decided that we were going to quit our jobs in San Francisco. Really good pay, really good benefits, lots of love, lots of VIP, and go on a trip around the country in a microbus. Average speed, 52 miles an hour. (laughs) Not sane. It's not sane. But we did it. And that was the point where we decided we have this opportunity. We've always talked about it. Let's do it. And I took, I remember taking my bosses to Golden Gate Park and holding their hands and crying because I'd worked for them for seven years and saying, I love you guys so much, but we're going to leave. We're going to leave San Francisco. And we did, and we left San Francisco. And it well, there's something romantic too about you know leaving your hometown, going out to the world, and coming back and kind of showing what you've learned and bring it back, you know. And that 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 was part of it. Also, so the pod truck came to the apartment, and we put all our shit in the pod, and it literally was there for months and months and months while we did our thing. We did four months, ten thousand five hundred miles, twenty eight states. In a micro bus. In a Volkswagen bus, yes. 52 miles an hour. Yes. We got passed by two vehicles. We passed two vehicles the whole time. One was a a giant tractor, 
towing like a thousand pounds of hay and an ice cream truck that was stopping in a neighborhood. Those are the only two vehicles. And you probably whooped it up every time. And we knew we had to we had to go out on this country and see it because it's such an amazing, huge, wonderful country. And if we would have done it in any other vehicle, we wouldn't have had the same experience. We had people coming up to us and telling us their stories and. That, to me, was America. Everybody was has a VW community. story. Everybody. And they told us about it. They told us about mom putting the can of bean in the engine compartment. And when they were 16 in high school and they got the green bus and all the stories. And it literally... And our bus was bought brand new by my grandfather in 1966 in Lompoc, California. So That's right. Lompoc, it's, California. it's been in our family ever so since. So if anybody knows any 95-year-olds that voted in 66, we'd really love to hear their story. Well, it was you. she didn't tell you that it was used for a portable voting booth for Reagan for governor. Um, um, and so it had 20 miles on it when he bought it used, so the city used it for that, which is the, the, the family story. <laughs> you could say boo, but it still made us where we are now. We're here now because of that. And it it's happened. it's important because of the restaurant that you wound up opening, an American eatery, like Jacob said. It's what even is and, that? Yes, and I may be rambling, but we were in Grover. My brother lived there. He watched our cat for the four months, and we came back and exercised our little asses off trying to lose weight and get healthy. And After all that fried chicken. Yeah, <laughs> and we ran by Third and Grand probably a hundred times and said, Grover, oh, I don't know about Grover. And finally, we went in. And this is a magical fucking story because you're involved and I love you so much for this. But we went in there and we finally called and said, let's just go in and look. And we did. And the owner was there and I couldn't believe the potential of this place. Like the tile was done, da da da, blah blah blah. Was it a restaurant before? It was a restaurant okay. before. It's been but multiple. What happened was Brian, our friend, unsolicited, we did not ask him to do this, went to the space to look and give us his opinion. And on that visit, which happened to be two days after Mike Lee, the owner of the Crack Crab, passed away, I swear he was floating around like influencing people's brains. That's crazy. But Brian went in and was like, okay, guys, I don't know. And when he came out, he saw Glenn Martin, who was managing the property, unbeknownst to us. And Brian looks at Glenn, and Glenn looks at Brian, and they go, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And Brian calls us and says, hey, Glenn Martin's managing the company. Just give him a call. You're all good. Because you saw potential, too, right? Yeah. You saw, he tried to hand you a lease, didn't he? And we did. And we, and we just kept going through the doors of that space, which so many people think, Grover Beach, ugh. You know what? Grover Beach is the Brooklyn of this county, and Grover Beach is coming up. Our mayor is awesome. Our new mayor is going to be amazing. And Grover Beach is the... Sh- S-H-I-T. It's okay. They're mine. It's okay. It's okay. But what happened was that connection of him just showing up made it for us because our friend showed up for us and said, hey, I want to I see. I trust you guys. I love you guys. I want you guys to do the right thing. And Glenn Martin, then we went into negotiations. You know what's so cool about that, actually, is the way that I found out Spoon Trade was opening, because I was emailing, I think, Carmen and 
I was asked, I was doing a story on popcorn, which is kind of one of the sadder stories to write about food. Really, it's like popcorn, seriously. Um, but Harmony said, Spoon Trade is opening with our friend, Brooke Schleisner, and, uh, and they're serving popcorn as like, a, you know, instead of the bread basket. So Harmony put me in touch with you, and that was, I think, a month before you opened, did a story on popcorn. Like Jamie Lewis. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, we help each other out. Okay, so I think the original question was, when did you decide to move back to the five cities? Collins is what you story. It was a good story. It was awesome. Um, well, I think I, you know it was a family decision. Our daughter was um, finishing up with kindergarten, and um, it seemed like a good time to move um, career-wise too. Um, I'd done a solid five-year stint at a awesome restaurant. I, I did, I loved my job, um, and I knew that it was a, a special place. But ultimately, I wanted to open a restaurant someday and have it be on the Central Coast because I love it here. Um, and I think, you know, Harmony with her school was a good kind of breaking off point. It was, mm -hmm. and so we, we went for it pretty much. Yeah, it wasn't, um, you know, Emma started um, at the same elementary school that Harmony went to, and Harlow, 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 Harlow Elementary. <laughs> so um, that was it. But I mean, the the Bay Area was treated us so well. It was like just yeah. an awesome, you know, experience for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take just one moment because I see empty glasses. Um, that's Max's cue. Hey, and speaking of Max. Let's um, whoop it up for Max Montgomery and There Does Not Exist. This brewery is so, so good. Um, these guys, this art show is amazing. It just went up um, maybe a month ago. Their beers are so delicious. They, um, I was ask, asking Max about accounts that he has, and they're served at both um, Ember and Spoon Trade. Um, and then also we have Sean Behrens out at um, Bear City Social. This is just a little intermission for a second. Um, so Sean, Brookie, you were so good to ask to say this. So Sean is doing Runway Rally, which is a food truck come together out at the kitchen terminal, which is off of, it's out by the airport, but on the other side of um, 227. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, uh, okay. from 12 to 6 p.m., there's a bunch of food trucks, and they're all kind of like-minded, and um, if you want to go out and support him. And I love him, and I also love Super Sushi Bowl. Yes, sushi right. Bowl. <laughs> and she's running it, I think. She's That's the one who so organized great. it. So there's some great food trucks that are going to be out there. Okay, I want to say one other thing, which is Matt Cross right here owns the Broad Street Public House. And they are open. You guys are open seven days a week, right? Okay, and he just happens to do sound. And for a friend, I know that. And he and Stormy play in a band called Dad Religion. Um, and you can check them out. How can they check you out? Okay. Liquid Gravity is where they play. Yes. Yes. Um, there was one other thing. Oh, so I have these funny little pins. 
They're enamel pins for the podcast. If you feel really inspired, please don't feel any pressure. Just take one. You don't have to buy it. But anything that you do put in there goes directly to feeding my kids. So, you know, no pressure. It's, it's fine. Act <laughs> hungry. No pressure. All right. Did you get to make a beer order? You good? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, someone want to ask me, you kind of already answered this, but I want to hear specifically... You believed Arroyo Grande and Grover Beach could support your restaurants. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't have done it. Maybe it was 51% you believed, right? Okay. What convinced you that those communities were ready for something you could get? Let's go with all of this first. Okay, cool. Um, well, uh, after moving back to the Bay, um, worked in the area for some time, and um, kind of hadn't found a place that had the... Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, sensibilities of a bigger restaurant and that kind of like, you know, foodie culture um, until I went to work at a restaurant in Los Alamos full of life flatbread and uh, yeah, very good place. Still is. Um, and um, that was awesome. It was just definitely, you know, food driven, wine driven. And um, it was an open kitchen concept, yeah. which I love which we love and that's why we incorporated that into our businesses but um you get a chance to talk with guests where are you from da, da, da. um a lot of people were coming up from arroyo grande i mean i myself was coming from arroyo grande and at the same time um rooster creek was opening and it just you know i got to see like okay this big of a restaurant is making it you know they're doing okay and so just started the search to look around and um, found that location you were talking about earlier. And, um, you know, it was always the goal. And um, it was, you know, a scary kind of leap, you know, just like Brooke and Jake did to leave your job and start something new. But I knew I'd always regret it if I didn't do it. And um, so just kind of seeing other people making a go of it. And I think that the community was ready. I, the wine region, I think every, um, you know, when a, right, a wine region gets to a certain point, usually it's kind of like agricultural generally, and then restaurants come in, shops come in, et cetera, et cetera. And I saw, I saw that happening here on the Central Coast with the Edna Valley and especially North County and Santa Barbara County. And so I think that the, the community was growing, is ready for something like an ember to open up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you struck while well, the iron was hot. Yeah. But maybe not all of us saw that the iron was hot. I guess that's the thing. Oh, it was scary. It was yeah. like, I don't let's let's go for it. Cross your fingers, hope people show up. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I think we should mention that the birthday boy over there helped. <laughs> oh yeah. Does oh. he like being mentioned? Yes. Okay. My dad's here, it's his birthday. Yay. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> And yeah. he um, had just retired, and then he got put back to work for about six months. <laughs> working. Yeah, still working. He's not retired anymore. <laughs> now he has two restaurants, my brother's and mine. Um, Seriously? Yeah. Where, so where's he, your brother? It's in the village, Sidewalk Cafe. Oh, yeah, gosh, it used to be. Yeah, so... Um, so it was great. I got to work with my dad. I'd never done that before and um, learned how many skills this guy has. It was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And I think um, it's fun to literally build a restaurant from nothing. You know, we, we 
took everything down, the studs, and then just drew it out. And he was the mastermind behind any ideas that I had. And on top of that, he had ideas of his own, which, you know, design-wise and stuff like that were really critical to the end kind of um, ambiance that Ember has. And I believe helped with six test kitchens as well. Yes, he did. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. No way. What? See? Small world. Yeah. (laughs) Granted, this was a place where we were buying plastic palm trees for our volcano. Sculptures <laughs> yeah. in elementary school. Yeah. And then Ember came and changed everything. Go ahead, um, People thought that we were crazy, that it was a cursed building. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, what are you doing? There's nothing. You know, remember the barbecue? Always, like, fundraisers in the parking lot. Yeah. Like, that's what it was known for, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just growing up here, yeah. it was definitely scary. Was it, it was not a restaurant before, right? Kind of. It was, uh, most recently it was a slow down pub. So anybody that plays live music or likes right. live music in the area knows the slow down pub. Um, and it was like a steakhouse too, kind of at the same time or just afterwards. But infrastructure wise, as far as building goes, we kind of had to start from scratch with like all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So as far as um, townses go, uh, what convinced you that River Beach could, and I know that's 51% of you believed that it could, what um, convinced you? I don't know. That's a weird question for Grover Beach. Um, I think that us moving back there and it being like our general vicinity was it. You know, we're, we're, we um, just kind of take the first opportunity kind of that came across our path. And we looked at a couple other locations, but I don't know. I think we believed in ourselves and our idea the most. Because in general, nobody really believed in us opening a restaurant in Grover Beach. And I think that would have been the case with anybody kind of doing that. I mean, even our loan officers were like, are you sure? um, But I would say that um, that was kind of like one of those things where we moved straight from the city and opened a restaurant. We didn't spend, you know, any time working around the area and stuff as like, oh, we don't need a sign with our name on it. We don't need to have a great location. We just need to express ourselves and the people will come. But that's not the case. You know, like the Central Coast is very um, behind the times. We're, you know, 20 years behind dining out in L.A. and San Francisco, New York and Chicago. Like those kind of concepts and ideas of you don't need a sign. You just need a you just need a good Instagram handle and some pretty pictures, you know. And um, so, that, you know, Grover Beach has been our biggest benefit and our biggest challenge. And I would say that. I don't know. Um, hmm? Yeah, and the city of Grover Beach, I would say, has been the biggest reason why we still exist. Yeah. Our our government officials have supported us um, so much, and they're also in our restaurant once or twice a week, the city planner, the mayor. Um, so um, if we ask the city for something, they they jump over hoops just to get uh, us what we need. But as far as Grover Beach being something I saw potential in, like I said before, we're a unique restaurant, but we're also the only restaurant that's ever done that in Grover Beach. And I think in the restaurant and culinary world, it's hard to say that, yeah, we're the first ones to do this. Mm -hmm. And 
aside from other restaurants, as far as concept is concerned and quality of ingredients, I can say that we're doing something that's never been done in Grover Beach. How cool that you just said that government officials make a difference for your business. We don't hear that often enough, to be honest, that planning... Okay, we're going to talk about Grover Beach. Minute. Grover Beach, almost a million in microgrants given to over 50 businesses. Free. Where'd that money come from? Yes, dispensaries. You may not agree with it, but they are smart enough to do it. Yeah. And that's our streets paved. That's our signs changed. That's everything working. And we got, we've gotten like almost 25 grand from the city. Flat out, well, no we've done, questions we've asked. We've done, um, you know, new signage. We built a yes. deck out front, and they were all about promoting. Nobody that else did that. Beautification. And Grover Beach's budget is balanced. Like Grover Beach is inclusive and loving. Come to Grover Beach. It's fun. <laughs> the, the one thing I will say is that um, <laughs> that Jeff Lee, our mayor, I said the other day, and I'm sad that he can't run again, but. I didn't know if Jeff Lee was a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah. Or, all I knew is that Jeff Lee cared about Grover Beach. And that was the coolest part about, about owning a restaurant in Grover Beach is that those people are about that city. And, and the mayor of Grover Beach makes $750 a month. That's his salary. But he still cares. He, he cares oh, a lot. Cares. That, there's something new happening in this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. Throw no, 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 but I'm reminded of, I sat at a table with some people from Colorado once um, before California legalized cannabis, and they were talking about how education was thriving because because cannabis was funding it, and I thought that was incredible, and so you're doing a micro version of that. A micro dose, if you will. Um, Okay. I want to talk real quick to, um, or not real quick, to Harmony, because you're the only one in this group that does something completely different than what everybody else does. You are a registered nurse, um, and so you were going to school for that uh, in, the Bay, in the Bay Area. You worked at Marion Hospital in San Maria until not very long ago. How recent like, was that? It's been about five years now, so it's been a minute. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's how sad I am. That, the last time I talked it's to you, okay. I just quit. Okay. Um, what was it like opening a restaurant, which is stressful, while also caring for patients, which is stressful, at the same time? How was that? And what was it like for you to decide to leave? Um, well, I don't know. I guess in one word, it was hard, <laughs> difficult. Um, it did put it into it did put it into perspective that. I mean, it was his passion, um, and I was definitely like, along for the ride, and I don't think I quite knew what I was saying yes to, because um, I didn't really know restaurants would, I didn't know it would be so difficult, um, and so I was working full-time in the hospital, um, like, for up two and a half years, the first two and a half years of Ember, mm -hmm. and um, so, yeah, I'd come and help, and um, I was obviously more behind the scenes, but... You know, we just the just you know doing it as a couple and um, yeah, because you were definitely involved. Yeah, I mean, I know that you were. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah. still, I think, putting together the schedule and. Um. Yeah, we we opened with a manager, um, but we lost him pretty quick. Mm. So it was just he and I. Um, I don't know running it. I mean, it, yeah, it pops mostly to Brian, but. <laughs> 
yeah. I definitely feel um, like I um, I cared uh, very much. You know, it's like I, I came around to it like, uh, and cared probably more than I wish that I did. You know, yes. because it is so difficult. But um, and then the hospital is a completely different beast. You know, you're you're dealing with sick patients, and then you come to the restaurant and people are there having fun and. Um, you know, yeah. they're it's, not actually sick. Yeah, and so if you get, you know, maybe a, a difficult customer or yeah. something like that, the perspective is there where it's know, not life and death; it's yeah. just food and beverage. Right. Yes, which isn't the best attitude to have, I guess. But you know, it's true. Your it's, baseline is different. Though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then yeah, two and a half years in, um, I think basically I just. I, I knew he needed me more there, and I was pretty burnt out um, mm. doing both, and so it was kind of an easy decision to leave. Um, maybe a little bit resentful like about it at the beginning, but then yeah. now I can't really imagine going back, honestly. So, I, I mean, being your own boss, there's really nothing like it. <laughs> have you kept up your licensing and all that? Yeah, I do still have my license, and if I wanted to go back, I I mean, I think I definitely couldn't go back to what I was doing. I don't think, but some aspects. Yeah. Yeah. And when you walk in, I mean, Harmony, you're one of the first faces that you see in the restaurant, um, and it comes so naturally to you. And I have to believe that nursing and that there's something, there's a through line there for sure. Hospitality. Yeah, hospitality. You're just someone's. Servant. <laughs> I mean, it is very similar. You're just, yeah, you're like there to serve. You're there to serve. You're you know? there to serve. Yeah. yeah. And that is, you know, there's that aspect in nursing too, for sure. Yep. So, totally. Yeah. But that's a great, uh, great thing to distinguish between. I would like to say that Harmony is one of the most beautiful humans I know. <laughs> And she's been really nervous about this all day. And it's I really, really hard for me. I love you, girl. Oh, wait. I know it. I know. And I told her, me, I know that you did this because I asked you to do And because Brian pushed you a little bit. And I appreciate it. This is very okay. out of my comfort. Ricky, um, yes, I'm, I'm very proud. Uh, you, so it was mentioned before that you have all this wine knowledge. Where did that come from? And how have you kept that up? Oh my God! Thank you. Wine knowledge. The more you know, the less you know. (laughs) Basically, that's what I've learned. And I've been so privileged to work with some of the fucking craziest people on earth, including myself. But. Somebody the other day, my stepsister said, do you have the, the certificate? Are you, do you have the, and the, pen. the diplomat, the thing? The diplomat. I don't have it. I don't have yeah, it. No. But it's okay. Because <laughs> I've, I've tasted a lot of wine and I've learned a lot about it. And what's crazy is that it did come to me in such a spontaneous way because I worked for some of the craziest fucking people on earth in San Francisco. <laughs> Rubicon being the one that launched it, really. 5,000 bottle list, A through Z, double, two, double, you know, you're going to the back of the rack and you have to cradle it to make sure the sediment doesn't come to the top. And 
we're going to decant it, and every single bottle's tasted before it hits the lips of the guest, and all of this shit. Like, the, I've learned. It's ingrained in my brain. We just watched, what was it? Love, Charlie? Have you seen Love, Charlie? Yes. Anybody love Charlie? Have you seen it? It's about Charlie Trotter. He's a crazy restaurateur from Chicago. But one of my mentors was his song. And his men, like friend. And I see him and I just it's crazy. So I've been very privileged to work with some of the best people in wine. And I keep putting wine in my mouth to taste it and see how I feel about it. That's all there is to it. If you want to learn about wine, keep tasting it and putting it in your mouth and see how you feel about it. Sometimes you're going to fucking hate it and sometimes you're going to love it. And it's okay because it's just wine. It's not going to kill you. It's not, you're not, your life isn't over. No, it's not going to kill you. But I have been so privileged to work with the best of the best. And yes. I feel like I need to go to the quartermasters and get a pen. Stop it! No, not I just because. <laughs> no, but I don't because no. I. She got a wine spectator award in Grover Beach. That was pretty cool. Yeah, first Grover Beach restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> we have so many lovely people and winemakers in this county here alone, and then you go to Santa Barbara County, and then you go to California, and then you go to. France, and then you go to South Africa, and then you start, like, it's never ending. If you want to learn about wine, keep going, but it's going to never end. And I'm so grateful to have been exposed to the people and the wine that I have been exposed to, because it's incredible, you know? And sometimes it sucks, and sometimes it's great. So keep tasting wine, and I love beer too. But sorry. <laughs> Thank and you so every much. year is different. Too. Um, you mentioned that uh, crazy people. That's what made me think of. I texted you when I watched The Bear, and I said, "Hey, you've got to watch this. Have you watched it?" And you said, "PTSD, not ready, not ready yeah, yet." I didn't. No. Yeah. And Jake did. But I love that actor, and maybe I should have watched The Bear, but it's I okay. didn't. But I'm more about real. Yeah. I'm more about real. Yeah. But so. yes, PTSD, I have it. Like, <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the night, if I pull my pocket out and there's seven foils, that means I open seven bottles of wine in front of people. And if I can teach people more about wine, and you two are really good at it also. <laughs> Stephen Kim? Yeah, please. We love you. Yeah. And thank right you on. for all your work that you do with it. it. It's wine is this world. Like what? How do I get to be involved in it? Mm -hmm. And I go to, and I go there and I'm like, Brian, get me something. <laughs> and he'll bring something awesome out. And same with vice versa. Like, you want a gamay? You want crew Beaujolais? Cool, let's do it. Yeah. And it's okay if you don't know what crew Beaujolais is, but if you want to. Please come to the spring train. <laughs> I will teach you about it. Gamay is one of my favorite varietals of all time. But this, yeah. Nice. Jamie, thank you. Shutting up. I'm, well, I'm getting a request here for food. Is that right? No, it's not free, but you can get what you want. Go ahead. Go. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Don't Don't you Yay. Okay. Fed, fed children. Let's go. Um... Brian, 
You knocked on the door at Chez Panisse. Is that true, or am I just remembering that? Like, you actually knocked on the door and you said, can I have a job? I mean, the door is kind of open in the back, and I went through it. <laughs> but uninvited. Uninvited. Yes. Completely right. uninvited, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, have you ever had, well, first of all, tell, tell me that story, and then have you ever had anyone come to the back door of Ember and do the same to you, and what did you it's what a did test. I it's a trick question. <laughs> Anybody wants to come and work in the kitchen at Ember, you are welcome to come and do that. <laughs> Especially six months ago, absolutely could. Uh, but no, um, I'll, I'll talk about that. I, we've had an intern le- uh, recently who um, uh, just moved off to go to the CIA Culinary School. It's in upstate New York, um, and. He was great, high school senior. Uh, the guy was super passionate, and um, and it was you know kind of a thing where he shows up or he was through. I think my mom actually um, a, a friend of hers. And anyway, it was nice to have a young man in there that was just like super bright eyed, naive, um, but ate it up, man. Like every kind of everything in the kitchen, and so that was fun to kind of see uh, somebody do that. Of course, all the guys in the kitchen loved him. There's like they immediately got like a younger brother in the kitchen every day. It was super cool. So um, that that relationship to me now is very special because you know that was me 20 plus years ago. Um, and uh, when you're that age, it's not scary because you're just young. You don't even know any better. You're just doing your thing. So I think that's what um, with my job at Chapinese. That's how it started. I just. Um, I received a cookbook, um, again from my mom, and um, read the cookbook. And back then, this is like super early internet, and cookbooks weren't all the same. And this cookbook, especially, what I loved about it was that it was there were zero pictures in the whole thing, and the uh, ingredients and the menus were so poetic, and the way that they described cooking these ingredients. And, you know, as a super completely inexperienced cook, it was like magic, almost reading these passages. And so the restaurant was in the next town over from where you're living in. And I thought, what the hell, let's try to get an internship here. And uh, going into it, it was just uh, the smells, the sounds, the people. It was like, okay, this is like the real deal. I can't leave right now because I'm already in here. I asked for the chef and... um, it was it was cool. I got I, uh, the last internship they had for the year was exactly lined up for the time that I was going to be doing mine. Uh, there was no money involved, unfortunately. So, yeah, um, for me it was a great <laughs> unpaid. So you work for free for three months. Yeah, and uh, with a family that's tricky. Yeah, but it was uh, the best. You know, three months professionally in my life it was just incredible so and um, you know my my time there is just being exposed to so many different uh, ingredients um, cooks and there's every cook has a different way they chop or the different way they saute but it all kind of fell under the same umbrella of Japanese and the style of that restaurant and that's something that I use to this day, you know, it's like if a cook comes up with a new dish, I'm like, okay, it's got to kind of go under the umbrella of like what an ember dish would be like. It can't be like, you know, uh, you know, uh, sashimi or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, but um, yeah, it was, 
I'm glad I did it. It worked out fantastically. Um, so I, I went there one day a week during culinary school. I think it was on Wednesdays. I'd, I'd go in the morning and, um, you know, catch a BART train, go to school. And then during my internship, I was there for, uh, when I was there for three months, um, I, they didn't have a job for me afterwards. So I went and worked somewhere else briefly. And then I got the call one day and I, I turned the job down and they offered it to me. And I was like, you know, they, these guys gave me a job, da, 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 and I, I got to be loyal to them. And and then one of the people that I worked with at Chez Panisse called me and said, you're making a huge mistake. You need to quit that freaking job. Come work with us again. And I'm so glad that she had called me because uh, she was right, 100%. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so stayed on for five years. It was incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. And so awesome. Uh, what's this young person's name who came and interned? At uh, his name's Kedrick. Yeah. Kendrick. Yeah. Congrats. He was. No, uh, no, incredible. Did he go to CIU? <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, he's uh, coming back in a couple of weeks for his uh, winter break. So we get to catch up with him and, you know, tell him some stories and you know, we'll, we'll see how he's doing over there. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, tell me each individually about your worst day at work, Jason. Brunch. <laughs> All of those damn because you don't do it anymore. Yeah, fuck brunch. Correct. <laughs> right. Sorry, I was supposed to say hashtag before that. It's okay. Can you explain why? Why is brunch so? Uh, well, I mean, um, I think brunch is every restaurant's like hated, most hated service. Um, for us, you know, it, it goes to show that being busy is not always. Um, um, happiness. Um, you know, we would have 50 to 60 people waiting outside the front door every day before we open. Um, when we started doing it on Saturdays, it was on Saturdays also. Um, and it was fairly relentless. Um, we didn't charge a per person price. We didn't do, um, you know, uh, $75 a person. Like our guest check average at brunch was $22. Oh, oh and we would do twice as many people with twice as much staff with twice as much stuff to do. So it was just brutal for just like, so if we ever did it again, we'd charge very differently for it. But I would say brunch is the oh, only man, time, the only time I've ever like gotten so angry that I've thrown things across the kitchen and actually had like a server scared of me for a minute and it just wasn't pretty so yeah um we have to find a way to make it work for us and because brunch is amazing on the other side of the table it is. and i don't know if you've ever seen a brunch server at brunch serving you bottomless mimosas with a smile on their face you know like tip them heavily while you're doing it you know um and um you know at the end of the day we can do a better job at it and be smarter about what works for us but yeah, brunch was probably some of the um, most excruciating, painful moments while being extremely busy in some in a moment where you should be so proud and happy and all those things. So that's. So you don't like it. But, um, <laughs> I'm thinking about doing it again. Really hard to say this answer, but. I do remember the day Anthony Bourdain died and we were all somber and for some reason we were serving lunch that day for some reason for some reason and a server was getting some shit from a guest who was being really grumpy and irritated and he was mad his deviled eggs didn't come out ahead of his sandwich like oh you poor baby your life's over okay 
So he slammed one on the table. He slammed it down. We got table. the deviled eggs out and he smushed them down on the table. And I was like, oh, you're going to be like that. And we're, we're not ready. Like, you're not ready for us right now because we're fucking sad. And we're in a, we're in a moment of mourning for a person who has defined our life. Anyways, he had to go. So Jake gets him out. It was good. You kicked him out. Jake did. I said, that's, that's my people and that's my wife. You choose your next words wisely. Now get the fuck out of my restaurant. Sometimes you have to do that with people. Most of the time, we're going to default to the guests and love you. Believe me, we love you. The customer is very rarely right. (laughs) But we will, we try to make people happy. I love the way we're going. I love it. But that's because I own that restaurant and I own that time and that happened. That was my worst day because it was such a sad day for us. We were. We were like, how do you, and you don't even know. But nobody wants to do that. Nobody nobody wants wants to have that. Nobody wants to hear Anthony Bourdain died. How dare you talk to me that way. Or throw anybody out of your business. (laughs) And yet, I also think that you were taking care of the people who work for you as well. Oh, I have my people's back. How many have you had a worst day? Um, I mean, I guess any any day that the... (laughs) <laughs> you have a Tesla charger? Oh, yeah, we don't have, we don't have a uh, Tesla charger, but um, I guess any time a customer is upset, I mean, that's, that's the worst thing. Yeah, so, like, I don't know, just, it's like, the whole point of all of this is to make the customer happy, and so when they're not, it's a bummer, and we take it really, like, really seriously, and we care a lot, and um, so yeah, we, and we live together, <laughs> and we love, and we, so it's like what we talk about when we're, you know, so it yeah. is, it's challenging. Basically, we want everybody to leave happy with excellent experiences, and we try to do that all of the time. Yeah. As, as all, I can speak for all of us. Yeah. Even the people who hate serving, hate being in this business, we still want the people to leave happy. That's what we want. And when they don't, that's the worst day ever. We want them to pay their bill and leave a big tip. I'm hearing discrepancies. Front of the house, back of the house. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess uh, I feel like I had like 25 of my worst days during the pandemic because it was just gnarly and stressful. Um, Probably there was a New Year's Eve, I feel like, where we just got rocked and then at the end of it, like, the sewer backed up. Oh my gosh. And, and then it becomes, that was like the first yeah. year or something. And you called oh, your dad. It's like yeah. midnight. I and think that happened more than once. You cut your hand earlier and one of those. Yeah. 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 For me, actually, it, it occurs to me, we talked at one point right after COVID and shutdown and everything, and you said something about taking all of the booze from behind the bar home. Because you were afraid of it being in the. I'm sorry, am I like speaking of a They were doing construction. They were retrofitting our whole building. And so there were like strangers coming in and out and constantly. So it's like. Rule number one don't trust nobody. (laughs) But yes, I remember hearing the stress in your voice. I have all of the, you know, 
we yeah, like the Hendrix yeah. and the whatever in our. Well, it was like everything. We cleared so we drank everything out of the restaurant. We drank it together. We had some good times, yeah. Yeah, we'll trade it. All right, so going back from you, Brian, what's yeah. the best day of work? Ooh, um, that's pretty hard, I guess. I mean, I I would describe my best day at work. I don't know that one sticks out in particular. It's just when everything seems to have gone right. Um, the staff seems happy. All the customers are happy, of course. Um, and just kind of like when you leave and like camaraderie's high. I think that's kind of like the best day and the best kind of feeling, you know. Um, I couldn't really totally pinpoint like the best, best day that I've ever had. Obviously, you know, opening night of the restaurant and just being like, okay, we did it. But, um, you know, it's, I think what we do, it's ongoing. It's not like you can be like, that's it. That's the best day. Oh, maybe. I don't know. But, um, um, it's kind of like, you know, every day is once the doors open, it's you press reset and you start over again. So. Yeah. Yeah, it occurs to me that what you say, actually, it's really um, insightful. You all remember a best day. Like the sewer backing up, that happened. <laughs> that happened, yeah. But the best day, yeah, yeah. there's lots of good days. I mean, maybe one, it didn't happen in Denver, but uh, when you, I think, um, actually, we were talking about this, when people that we've worked with before or people that are important to us in the field that we do, they come into the restaurant. And you recognize them. Yeah. Um, uh, when I worked at Flatbread, uh, Jeremiah Tower, the chef that kind of got Chez Panisse on the map, came in and just randomly recognized him from across the room as a you know, anonymous diner and got to go up and meet him and uh, and speak with him for a while. That was really cool. So I think that there's like moments like that that make like the best days for me personally. I saw Emilio Estevez at Flatbread. Yeah. <laughs> because he was married to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I uh, I didn't say hello, but Jake and I both... Uh, there are not 16 candles. Breakfast then. Yeah. <laughs> Don't Jake. say 16 candles. Super important moment for me. Um, Harmony, what about a good day for you? Same as Brian? No? Ditto. Ditto? Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. I agree with the opening day, but... Literally, my best and worst day happened on the fucking same day, and I'm gonna cry because I had to lay off 22 people for one day. That was fucked. And then the phone started ringing, and then we said, "Okay, the phone's ringing." Because people wanted to see. They wanted to order. I, I have the same best day and a little bit more like <laughs> but detail than the whole story, but. We basically were going to close our doors and not do anything. And we only had two to-go orders on the on the list already, and we weren't going to call them and cancel it. So we sent everybody home that day, and it was just the two of us. And we're basically just thinking, like, this is it. This is our last day. We're going to cook these two orders. And, and like she said, the phone rang, and it was somebody that wanted a to-go order. And then the phone rang again and again and again. And that night... We did $2,500 in sales with just the two of us no. taking to-go orders over the phone. And we called a handful of our staff and did it again the next day. And they kept calling. And then the next day, and kept calling. So if it wasn't for those 10 phone calls that night, our restaurant wouldn't be here. That right was now. the worst and best day. Oh my God. Because the worst part was we had to lay off the people. 
But the best part was that our community wanted us to feed them. And that's how we kept them. And that is what all of the restaurants had. Like that moment where they called and needed to my friends. You know, it's hard. That was so gnarly when you put your head down and go, shit, I just, I have to tell these people to go home. But then you can put your head up and do other Because that's how this business is. You don't just stop. You don't just give up. You don't just say, oh well. You keep fucking going. Every day. I have to stop. Best and worst day at the same day is pretty common. Okay. Well, if it were your last day on earth, I've already asked both of you this. But but the cool thing about this is if you were gonna look at the other restaurants, so Ember Collins is here looking at the town's menu and you're like, you know what, it's my last day, this is what I'm gonna order. Brian, what are you ordering? Um, eggs Benedict. Um, <laughs> brunch. Anything for brunch. <laughs> Okay. okay, no, um, <laughs> it's easy. Um, the beef tartare, the shaved root, root vegetable salad, I love that a lot. The fried chicken, of course, awesome. Um, any of the pastas they do, any of the seafood they do, um, the list goes on. Yep. Yeah. What do you want? Um, the chicken fried chicken sandwich. <laughs> oh, yeah, the chicken fried sandwich. That's they did bring it, but they did bring it back for dinner. Yeah. At one point, so it wasn't strictly brunch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Now the other direction. The carpaccio with the duck fat fries right now. Yeah. I need it now. I love your quail. I love your calamari. I love your ribeye. I love your chicken. I love your flatbreads. I love you. <laughs> I love everything that you guys do. I'm a, I come on, you know I go in there with open arms, steady. But I do want that fucking carpaccio right now. <laughs> they have two restaurants, so also the bakery, the biscuits and gravy, and <laughs> jalapeno bagel. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right, Jacob, what would you like? Um, you know, I would say that I would normally go in there and obviously she orders all the things she wants <laughs> and it's usually enough for both of us. But, um, sure. you know, whatever whatever they put on as a special or what's new, that's kind of where I go. It's like all their classics are amazing. Of course, chicken and ribeye. And, you know, it's like a lot of us kind of get tired of serving that stuff and talking mm-hmm. about it. But it's still there and it's demanded for those reasons. Like their, their chicken dish is probably one of the best on the Central Coast. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that ribeye is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we go back for those apps all the time. A quail and carpaccio and squid are, are definitely, um, our go-tos for sure. But I, I would go there and just tell him what I, what, what should I have? While and I'm a whiskey this. smash right away. <laughs> you ask them. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, can we please give it up for these wonderful people? <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of this, and I would really appreciate if you would all go to their restaurants, order the chicken under a grip, order the fried bologna sandwich. Please order beer here. 
Max, order um, food out with Sean and come to maybe after party go to Broad Street Public House. Thank you so much. Talk to you next time. That does it for this episode in the Consumed Live series. Remember to mark your calendar for the next Consumed Live on March 7th, and you can expect another season of the Consumed Podcast featuring conversations with the eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers of California Central Coast on March 1st. Until then, I'm Jamie Lewis. Jamie Lewis.